I believe verse 1 is where we, where we left off. We had made it through uh, discussing all that was going on at Thyatira. And now we have come to the Lord's message to the church in Sardis. Verse 1 of the Revelation chapter 3 begins this way. And unto the angel of the church in Sardis write, These things saith he that hath the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know thy works, that thou hast a name, that thou livest and art dead. So, and as always, as we're going through this, any comments, questions, anything you'd like to add, discuss, uh, any, anything like that, feel free to uh, chime right in. Uh, you can raise your hand if you want to, but I'm, I'm more than happy to have you just uh, have you uh, uh, start speaking if, that, if that's what you would prefer. So, here, the Lord's message. He's having, he's having John write this unto the angel or the messenger of the church in Sardis. Again, a local, a local visible body that is located in Sardis. All of these seven churches located in Asia Minor, we know it today as modern-day Turkey. <clears throat> these things saith he that have the seven spirits of God. And we come back to the, the first chapter of the Revelation, and uh, we see that description is made of the Lord Christ Seven spirits of God. There it is. Verse 4 of chapter 1. John to the seven churches which are in Asia. Grace be unto you and peace from him which is and which was and which is to come. And from the seven spirits which are before his throne. Now we, we, discussed, uh, we discussed that. That not, not only is that in reference to, to the Godhead. He which, which is, which was and which is to come. And from the seven spirits, or the sevenfold spirit, which are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ. So not only is it, is it a, a picture of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit, the Father, and Jesus Christ, but also all of those are, are uh, the, the and there in verse 5 is the Greek term chi, which is also, it's rendered and, and even. Even being that is. Uh, we, don't, we don't say... We don't say even like they did in the King, when the King James was written, but we would say that is. So it is true of both. It could be rendered both ways, and it is true both ways. Um, the, the Lord has a way with words that men do not. It is, it is true in both aspects uh, that this is all true of Jesus Christ because he is the one in whom the whole fullness of the Godhead dwells bodily. The, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost all indwell the Lord Christ, according to Colossians 2.9 and, and other verses. So, uh, he has been described as the one who has the seven spirits of God. But one may say, there's only one, there's only one Holy Spirit, and that is, that is correct. There is only one Holy Spirit. Come to Isaiah, where we get uh, this sevenfold description. <clears throat> Isaiah chapter 11, I believe we looked at this back whenever, whenever we were going through chapter 1, but just as a, as a refresher, as we may have had uh, people join us or people that uh, were not here during, during that time. Isaiah 11, in verse 1, And there shall come forth out of the stem of Jesse, a, a, there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. 
So there's one, one spirit. The spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. And we know that the Lord Jesus Christ, he is the branch. He is the rod. He is the one that grows up out of, uh, grows up out of the stem of Jesse, the branch that comes out of his roots. And it is the spirit of the Lord, the spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and knowledge and, and, and might and, and of the fear of the Lord that rests upon him. He has, he, and that is all, all comes from the spirit of the Lord, the Holy Spirit. And shall make him of quick understanding in the fear of the Lord. And he shall not judge after the sight of his eyes, neither reprove after the hearing of his ears. But with righteousness shall he judge the poor. And reprove with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth. We know exactly who, that, who, who will do that very thing. We've seen it in Revelation 19 many times. And with the breath of his lips shall he slay the wicked. It is the Lord Jesus Christ that is being spoken of. He is the one that has the seven, the seven spirits of God, the seven-fold spirit of God. That's the ministry of the Holy Spirit. He is the spirit of wisdom. And, and wisdom is also Christ. He is also, he is also called the spirit of Christ. Christ, 1 Corinthians one we're told, is the wisdom of God and the power of God. Uh, so when we see there the spirit of wisdom, it could, we could also understand it as the Spirit of Christ, as the Holy Spirit is called in the New Testament. So, the seven spirits of God, the sevenfold Spirit of God, he that hath that Spirit, and the seven stars. You remember Christ said at the end of, at the end of chapter 1 <clears throat> that he has the seven stars in his hand. Uh, come back to... Revelation chapter 1, and I'm sorry, I don't have that verse right in front of me. I think it's verse 16. And he had in his right hand seven stars. Yes, he has in his right hand seven stars. Uh, And in verse 20, he tells us that the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, the messengers of the seven churches. He is the one that is stating these these terms. He didn't give it to John in... Uh, here, John, this is generally what I want you to say, and now you put it in your own terms. He gave John, he told John, write these words, not, not in your own terms, but write these specific words. I know thy works, that thou hast a name, that thou livest and art dead. That's a, a terrible place to be, to be alive, to, to be alive, but yet to be dead. We were all once in that state, we understand what that is like. This is speaking of an entire church that they are that they have a name, the church in Sardis that they have a name, a reputation, but they're alive, but they're actually dead. Their First Timothy five six speaks uh, in the same way of of women taken taken captive. Um, for First Timothy five and we'll get verse five. Now she that is a widow indeed and desolate trusteth in God and continueth in in supplications and prayers night and day. He's talking about the the, the true widow, but she that liveth in pleasure is dead while she lives. There's no there's no there's no fruitfulness. 
There's no, there's no bringing forth fruit that is meat or fitting for repentance. There's no, John the Baptist told the, told the Pharisees to bring forth fruit uh, fitting or meat uh, for repentance. They, they asked to be baptized. They, they found, oh, this is a new thing, another thing that we can add to our, our list of, of uh, religious ritual, you know, ritualistic works. What's that? Yeah, uh, add, uh, another thing that they can add to their list of, look at me, I've even been baptized by John the Baptist. Um, but he told them, before, before, you, before you can be baptized, bring forth fruit, meat, or fitting for repentance. So uh, here, while they're alive, they're dead. There's no works. There's no, there's no fruitfulness of them. They're not showing. They're not... Uh, we're told in Philippians 2.12 to work out our own salvation. Now, it's not, uh, it's not that we're to figure out how to save ourselves. We've been saved, so show that. Work it out. Show it, show it outwardly that you have been saved. Here, there is no outward working of that inward salvation. Salvation is what causes us to serve God. It isn't... It isn't uh, works that cause God to save us. It is, the, it is the other way around. His goodness and grace is what leads us to serve Him and not, not the other way around. But they, that is, that is what they are doing. They are alive, yet they are dead. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die, for I have not found thy works perfect before God. It's exactly what the Lord is, is uh, encouraging them, exhorting them to do. You, you might be dead. You, you, there is no fruitfulness. You're not bringing forth, you're not bringing forth the, the fruit that you ought to be bringing. The sheep are starving. Do you know that sheep must be fed? Sheep must be fed, and we, we can't just be fed anything. A pig can be fed anything. A pig will eat anything. You put a you put a wonderful Thanksgiving dinner in front of a pig and and gruel. It'll go for the gruel, and then it'll eat the Thanksgiving dinner. It'll it'll eat absolutely anything. A sheep will not eat the gruel. It is a very picky animal. We have a very specific appetite. The sheep of God. The he, we are the sheep of His pasture. He is the great shepherd of the uh, of the sheep. We do. We can't just have anything. <clears throat> so here, those sheep, be watchful, be careful, and strengthen the things which remain. Those, those that are, are still alive, they are ready to die, for I have not found thy works perfect or complete, mature, before God. The book, of, the book of Hebrews, Paul calls them babes in Christ. They're not ready for meat. They're not like, like little babies. Start with milk, and then they work their way to food. That's the way we are as Christians. We start with the foundations. We start with the, we start with the milk. And then we work our way to the real meat of the word. And, and meat in the King James is another word for food. What we call meat is called flesh in the word of God. There, there's just a, a difference in, in the words that they used and how, how language evolves. But we go from milk to food. And here, here their, their, their works have not been... They're not mature. They're not, uh, they're not complete before God, and they're being admonished. They're being exhorted to move in that direction, grow in the grace and knowledge uh, of, of, 
of the Lord move from the milk to the meat to the food. Remember, therefore, how thou hast received and heard, and hold fast and repent. If, therefore, thou shalt not watch, I will come on thee as a thief, and thou shalt not know what hour I will come upon thee. So he tells them to remember. Because, because he has not found their works perfect before God, remember, therefore, how thou hast received and heard. Because to receive, we must hear. When, when one is born again, they don't understand all that has been done for them. That's what the preacher does. The preacher, his words are not effectual. His words don't cause one to be born again. We're in, in Isaiah, Romans chapter 10, calling, referring, citing Isaiah. It says, blessed are the feet of those who bring good news or the gospel. That's what the preacher does. Now, how can the preacher go unless he's sent? That's, that's, where, that's where the Lord is also sovereign over that aspect. He's sovereign over when one is born again, and he's also sovereign over when one hears. Cornelius, Acts chapter 10, the first, the first Gentile that was preached to by, by the Apostle Peter. This, uh, this man had already been born again. He was already a worshiper of God. He, he was in prayer, and, and the Lord appeared to him. But the Lord didn't say, I've saved you. The Lord said, listen to Peter, because I'm going to send him to you. It's a picture of exactly what the Lord does with every one of his children. That's, what, that's, the, that's the preacher's purpose. We, we don't, we, we don't, we are, we're not effectual in anything that we do. All we do is bring the good news. All we do is bring what God has already accomplished on our behalf. There isn't, there isn't anything I can't... I can't cause one to be born again, just as none of us can cause one to be born again. It is, it is all a work of the Spirit of God. But he's telling them, just as they have received and heard, because those two things do go in tandem, to receive we must hear. We must hear to receive Christ, because we do receive Christ. We'll talk about that a little bit later on this morning. We do receive Christ. But to do that, we must hear about him first. And to hear... We can't, we can't hear unless we've already been born again, and that's exactly what John chapter 1, 12 through 13 states. Um, <clears throat> so, but we'll, I, I won't get ahead of myself this morning. And hold fast and repent. Change your thinking. Hold fast on the things that are true and repent on the things that you believe that aren't true or the things that you're doing that aren't in line with the Word of God. Change your mind. Turn around is, is, is what repent really means. It isn't, it isn't uh, and we, we get up and, and declare that we have been saved and uh, re- repentance for the child of God isn't a one-time thing. We live a, we live a life of changing our mind. We've lived, the, the Lord saved me when I was 25 or 26. See, when was Tom born? Was I about to turn 27, 26? I was about to turn 26. So I, was, I, was, I had spent 25 years in darkness before I had known that the Lord had opened my eyes. That's a lot of time in darkness that, that must be overcome with my way of thinking. And the Lord doesn't work in us all at once. It would be fantastic for us if he did, but that is not the way that he's been pleased to do so. 
He, he opens our eyes little by little. That's why, we, that's why he has given us his word, that we may read it. That's the, that's the, the whole purpose of education. The, the, whole, the whole educational system was to get us an understanding of how to read so that we could read the word of God for ourselves. The dark ages were called the dark ages because now the, the layperson doesn't need to know how to read. They don't need to know what the scriptures say. We'll tell them what it says. That's, the, that's not how the Lord intended for his, his words to work. That's why, the, that's why the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, the common man's language in, the, in, in Israel. Koine Greek, the common form of Greek that all men may be able to read and understand it. That, that was, the, that was the, why the Lord put it into those languages. That's why we have it in English, because we don't read Greek or Hebrew. That's why we have it, that's why we have it in English, and it's been translated in uh, hundreds of languages. I'm not exactly sure the number of languages it's been translated into. But that's that we may hear and understand. <clears throat> if, therefore, thou shalt not watch, if they will not... Uh, hold fast and repent and be, be concerned about these things. I will come on thee as a thief when they're not ready. When does a thief come? Does a thief come when you're ready for him? No. It comes when you're not ready. Or when he anticipates that you're not ready. You don't know when the thief is coming. Thou shalt not know what hour I will come upon thee. This is not about Christ's second coming. Oh, his second coming, he does come as a thief, not, not to us, because we're not in darkness, that, he should, that, 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 that that day should overtake us. But we're, chil- we're children of the day, children of light. We know, we know when that day's coming. The world does not. They're told, they're told it in his word, but they don't believe it. They don't, they don't care what God has to say. But here, is coming as a thief, just as he has, just as he has given all the other churches. That he'll put out, put out, put out their, their candlestick, take out their church from, from that area. The people would still live, but there wouldn't be a local, a, a local body of baptized believers in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. They, there may still be a body, but it isn't, it isn't a new church body. It isn't, a, excuse me, a New Testament church body. This, this is the, what the Lord is, is talking about when he will come upon them as a thief. When they're not ready, he will, he, will ch- he will chastise them for not following his ways, not walking, not walking in, in the way that he would have them to walk. Thou hast a few names, even, or that is, in Sardis, which have not defiled their garments. And they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. <clears throat> now those that had not defiled, defiled their garments, their, their white garments, now, we understand when we dress children in white, we know what's going to happen whenever they eat. How, how easy is it for white to get stained? Very easy. Very easy. And it's hard, it is sometimes very difficult to get that stuff out. It is a, a picture of what it is the Lord is discussing. Uh, they have not defiled. This word, this word uh, according to Thayer's lexicon, also means to stain or to, um, uh, to, to make dirty, to, uh, to make common their garments. Those that had not done that, the Lord would, would cause them to walk with him in white, for they are worthy. 
They're not worthy in and of themselves. None of us are worthy in and of ourselves. We're made worthy because of him. We are, he gives us that, uh, that prize, that reward, because he is the one who has made us worthy. And also the, the, the white is reserved strictly for the saints of God and for the Lord Jesus Christ. Come to Revelation 19, where we'll see that, that the saints of God are described in this way. 19 and verse 8. And to her, that is uh, the, wife of the, the, the wife of the Lamb, <coughs> from verse 7, Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife hath made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. How do saints attain their righteousness? Not by, works, not by works that we have done, but by the righteousness of Christ, but by the Lord Jesus Christ. That, that righteousness was imputed to us. When he said it was finished in John 19.30, he meant it. That righteousness, we didn't know it at that time. It, we're now nearly 2,000 years removed from that date, and there are still God's people that are coming to understand that truth today. But legally, it was imputed to us then. We come to understand that later. But the white is the righteousness of saints that the Lord gives to his people. And, and come to Matthew chapter 17. <clears throat> remember the Mount of Transfiguration? You remember what his clothes looked like? Matthew 17 in verse 1 after six days, Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John, his brother, and bringeth them up into a high mountain apart. So it was just Jesus, Peter, James, and John. And was transfigured, was changed before them. And his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as the light. His raiment being white as the light was, showing, was illustrating his righteousness. His glory. Remember he said in John 17, 5, Glorify thou me with the glory, his high priestly prayer to his father. Glorify thou me with the glory I had with thee before the world was. This was the glory that he had before the world was, that he was showing, that he was illustrating to Peter, James, and John who he was. He didn't, that, that, that this, that he is the God-man, that he is full of glory that the, that the flesh that he had was a veil. I'm told that in the book of Hebrews. The flesh that he had was a veil to cover that glory. Imagine if he had walked like that down the streets of Jerusalem. He wouldn't have been able to teach like he taught. People may not have been able to look upon his face. He told Moses, you can't see my face lest you die. Here, Peter, James, and John got to see his face. But, but there, there are people that have not been able to see his face. And there, but there were others. Jacob wrestled with him <clears throat> uh, um, and said, uh, and Isaiah saw him, Isaiah chapter 6. And he, and he said, whoa, I'm, I'm a dead man. I'm, I'm a man of unclean lips living in the midst of a people of unclean lips. He, he thought he was surely going to die. But he, his lips were touched 
with the burning coals of the altar. And he said, be not concerned, your sin has been removed from you. You shall not die. The Lord Jesus is where our righteousness comes from. And it is, it is to him that we are made, that we, that we are made to conform. Romans, Romans chapter 8 tells us. We're conform, we, we are going to be conformed to his image. Just as he's been glorified, we will also be glorified. The, the white is the righteousness of saints, which comes from the Lord Jesus Christ. For they are worthy again, not because we've done anything, but because the Lord Christ did it all. He that overcometh, the same shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot out his name of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. So to him that overcomes, and we've, dis- we've discussed who, who is the overcomer. <coughs> It is, it is the Christian that is the overcomer. And it isn't, again, not because of us. The Lord Christ said, fear not, I've overcome the world. He is the one that makes us be overcomers. Because of what he has done, are we overcomers. To the ones that overcome, the same shall be clothed in white raiment. I will not blot out his name, blot out his name out of the book of life. The ones, who's he's, who, the ones who, whom he has purchased, he said he won't lose a single one. No man shall pluck them out of my hand. No, other, no creature shall remove, remove us out of his hand. We're, we ourselves are creatures. We can't remove ourselves out of his hand. Even if, even if we wanted to, we don't want to. Because that, that, that new man doesn't want to leave. We don't, it's not an option to become unborn again. It doesn't, that's, that does not happen. There is no scripture. Uh, there isn't any scripture describing that very, uh, describing that act. It doesn't, it doesn't happen. We can't unborn ourselves the first time. Neither can we unborn ourselves the second time. This blotting out, uh, there is one, one that Christ has bought will not have his name blotted out of the book of life. But there's also another book that this could also be referencing. You know that there's two books. There's the book of life, the Lamb's book of life, and there's the book of the living. There's a book of the living referenced in the Psalms and other places. Moses, uh, come, to Mos- or come to Exodus. I'll show you what I'm, what I'm talking about. Exodus 32 <clears throat> and verse 32. This is when the, the uh, verse 31 Moses returned unto the Lord and said, Oh, this people have sinned a great sin and have made them gods of gold. (coughs) Yet now, if thou wilt forgive their sin, and if not, blot me, I pray thee, out of thy book, which thou hast written. He's not asking to be removed out of the Lamb's book of life. I'm not sure he, he knew that the Lamb's book of life existed. We're not given that revelation until the revelation. He may not have known that that existed. I know that he knew that, that Christ was Christ. I know that he knew that because we're told in Hebrews chapter 11 that he saw Christ as seeing, he saw him that was invisible. Uh, he, and it speaks of him knowing that Christ existed, um, and, which means his mother must have taught him. He left his mother when he was three and went and lived in Pharaoh's household. 
What, a, what an astute mother he must have had. Parents, never forget that. Never, never forget that your children are influenced by what you teach them. Here, he's, not, he's asking to be blotted out of the book of the living. If you're, if you're not going to forgive them, just kill me. <clears throat> I am sick and tired of these people. For they are stiff-necked, they won't learn, they, they won't walk in your ways no matter what I do. Moses is tired. He's tired of these people. He's, he's, uh, how many times did he ask the Lord, why, why, why do they do this? Why am I over them? I, don't, I, can't, I can't bear everything that they put on me. Hands up, uh, appointing judges um, to oversee the tens and the fifties and the hundreds and the thousands, and then him being, being the top of that chain. And that's where we currently get our, uh, our justice system from, from the law of Moses. And the Lord said unto Moses, Whosoever hath sinned against me, him will I blot out of my book. Everyone that sinned against the Lord will die, including ourselves, should the Lord tarry. We will, we will, all, we will all perish because we've all sinned against the Lord. <clears throat> so this it could be referencing the book of the living as well. Those that hadn't defiled their garments, the Lord wouldn't blot out of the book of the living. He wouldn't remove out of this world because of their sin. And, and our God does do that. He does remove his children, just like you, you would take your children by the arm when they're acting up at the store or you know, at, at a friend's house or you know, wherever they may be acting up. You might take them by the arm and say, we're going home because of your behavior. Ananias and Sapphira, Acts chapter 5, those are God's people. We will, I have no doubt in my mind, because it says multiple, time and time again that they lied to God. The world lies to God all the time. He's long-suffering with them, letting them fit themselves for destruction. He lets them heap, uh, heap wrath for the day of wrath. Heap, um, uh, I'm drawing a blank on what Romans chapter 1 says. Um, heap, uh, regardless, they're, they're heaping wrath unto themselves for the day of wrath. Um, they're, they're heaping those, those things up uh, for themselves, making their condemnation even worse. <coughs> but Christians are held to an even higher standard. And that's why Ananias and Sapphira were taken home. John, 1 John talks about there is sin unto death. Ananias and Sapphira found that out. And, and fear fell upon all of the churches after that happened. But here at the end of the verse, we might see what the issue, we're not given specifics on what the issues were, but, but the ending of this verse might instruct us on what the issue was. But I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. Does that language sound familiar? What the Lord Christ said during his earthly ministry? Come to Matthew chapter 10. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 10 and verse 32. Whosoever therefore, we'll get, we'll get verse 31 so we see what the therefore is therefore. Fear ye not therefore, oh, we'll back up and get, in, get verse 30. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Sparrows are worth very little. But the Lord knows and he's in charge of when they fall to the ground. 
even so are all the hairs on your head numbered. That for me is dwindling, but the Lord still knows. The Lord still knows how, how uh, many hairs are on my head. Fear ye not, therefore, ye are of more value than many sparrows. Whosoever, therefore, shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father, which is in heaven. In Luke chapter 12, verses uh, 8 and 9, you don't need to turn there, but that adds, I will confess him before his angels. So he will confess, if we confess him before men, <clears throat> which, by the way, that's not how one is saved. We're not saved by confession or profession of faith. We're saved by the Lord Jesus Christ. The outworking of that salvation results in the confession or the profession of faith in confessing Christ before men. That's what, that's what causes that to happen. And back then, in America, it's, it means nothing, almost, to confess Christ before men because of the foundations that this country was built upon and the fact that uh, you know, we live in what they call the Bible Belt, and, and that's a very common thing, and it's almost expected. But back then, it was a death, it was a death sentence. So that was a very grave promise that was given. Today, it means almost nothing to the world to confess Christ before men. Oh, he's just a God amongst other gods, or he's just a good teacher. Which, by the way, they argued about that even in his day. <clears throat> oh, he's a good teacher. A good teacher wouldn't say the things he's saying because he wasn't just a good teacher. He was who he said he was. But whosoever shall deny me, and I believe that this might have been part of the issue that was going on in Sardis, which is why Christ said he would confess him before his father and before his angels. But whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my father, which is in heaven. And Luke, the Luke passage, Luke 12 adds, I will deny him before his angels. <clears throat> so, there, I think that that, that that helps understand what's going on in Sardis. They're being pressured. They're, there are those that are denying the Lord Christ, and they're being pressured to do so. But him that overcomes, will he, do, will he give uh, white raiment, not blot his name out of the book of life, and will confess his name before his father and before his angels? He that hath an ear to hear, he that hath an, hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. <coughs> and again, always going back to the ear must be, uh, the Holy Spirit of God must give one an ear to hear. Just as we've noted before, Luke 24, the, the disciples were born again long before Christ ascended. But it wasn't until after his ascension that he opened their understanding, that they may understand the scriptures. So it isn't, uh, it isn't just being born again and poof, all of a sudden we understand everything. Just, just as was discussed at the, at the, beginning, at the beginning of class. We, we understand more as we go along. There's, there's more light given unto us as the more we read, the, the more times we go over a passage, the better we understand it each time. The more we see it connect over here and over there, and that ties in with these things, and that helps me understand this passage, and so on and so forth. That's why, that's why Peter says scripture, uh, scripture is of no private interpretation. It isn't that the private individual can't understand it, because that's, that's exactly 
what we are to do, that we're given the one who inspired the words. It's talking about you can't take this passage and say and build an entire doctrine off of one off one passage. You must have all of Scripture. All of Scripture. Scripture interprets Scripture. That's why Scripture is not of any private interpretation. Don't take this passage out of context to make it mean something that would contradict other Scriptures because it's, it's all inspired of God and He's not the author of confusion. <clears throat> always him that has an ear, let him hear. Always, always going back to the understanding is given by the Holy Spirit of God. Finished, looks like right on time. Any questions, comments, any, any, uh, anything to add, anything you would like to discuss further? Thank you for your